Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Batwoman TV Talk, your weekly podcast following the adventures of the CW's new hit show, Batwoman. I'm with me. I'm Palmer, and with me, as always, is someone who, for some reason, doesn't believe Incredible Hulk is the best Marvel movie, <laughs> Tony Ann. Say hi, Tony. Hello! I was waiting for you to bring that up. Oh, yeah. No, ever since I found out, I was like, it's going to be in the open. Well, I can't believe you think The Incredible Hulk is the best Marvel movie. It's got Edward Norton, who's won more Oscars than the entire cast of every other Marvel movie. Having a good actor in a movie does not make the movie any good. You know, (laughs) it makes it better than the rest, though. I mean, maybe, but... Not for me. That was, I mean, I was told to skip it because it was terrible, but I'm stubborn and have to watch everything once I sort of delve into a universe. So I watched it. And yet you skipped the first Hulk movie. Because I was only going off of the list that it gave me. I literally Googled Marvel movies chronological order, and that was the only Hulk movie on the list. Uh, I mean, technically, it's not a Marvel movie, but since it's a, um, since it is the first Hulk movie, which the second one is a direct sequel, it's weird. But I mean, I I don't understand why you didn't like it because I think it was a good movie. Uh, there's some other Marvel movies that I could see not liking. The third. The third um, Iron Man comes to mind. Oh, see, I didn't like the second Iron Man, but I liked the third. Oh, one. No, nobody liked the second <laughs> Iron Man. I thought the second Iron Man was okay. It's not great. I definitely don't think it's. I don't. I definitely don't think it's the worst in this Marvel series of movies. My biggest complaint with Iron Man three is just the ending, and I think the ending just completely torches the rest of the movie for me because other than that it's a gr- like i love i love how they gave the mandarin such a menacing character and then they took it away completely and that's what bothered me but what so that's what bothered you about the end of the movie the fact that like the mandarin was this menacing thing and then nope he wasn't he's just a fake correct like, um, like there are so many. So the Mandarin has always been kind of uh, chastised in the comics lately because he is a very of his time caricature, and it's a caricature that doesn't play well nowadays because it can be it can be um, offensive. But but I think they did a really good job of moving away from that caricature and keeping like the very menacing part of his character and 
when it turns out to be just an actor, I think it kind of it spoils like what I thought would be one of their best villains. And it was definitely their best villain of the time. Okay, well, that that is a completely valid complaint, not one that I share, but I can totally see your point. You know, Marvel's always been kind of chastised for having forgettable villains in their in their series of movies aside from necessarily aside from like Thanos who even then I think I haven't is, met him yet I don't think I'm only up to Captain America Winter Soldier Yeah so you you've at least seen him in The Avengers Okay oh, he okay was he was the one at the uh in the end scene of The Avengers um I can't remember if I believe he's talking to Loki. Oh, okay. That's him. Got it. Yeah. Um he changes that he wasn't Josh Brolin at that point. But uh that is Thanos. He he um kind of breaks the mold of the forgettable Marvel villains, but I believe it's a such a low bar that he kind of steps over it pretty easily, although I think they could have fleshed him out a little bit more later on down the line. So far, my favorite Marvel movie villain is Hydra from um, the first Avenger. Yeah, I loved him. I mean, yeah, Hydra, the the uh, Kmart Nazis, because that's essentially what they were in the uh, <laughs> in the comics. Um, I like I like the first Avenger. I like Captain America, the first Avenger. It is. As far as the Marvel movies proper, it's my favorite, um, followed by, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, and then everything else just kind of goes downhill from there for me. I love that you didn't put Incredible Hulk anywhere in there. Because I don't count it as a Marvel movie proper. Like, it, it was tied in but the movie doesn't really affect anything else in the Marvel universe. I mean, I'm glad I watched it, like, just so, like, the Hulk story would kind of make sense, like, in the little bits that they mentioned. Like, when right. Like, the last, the last time I was in New York, I broke Brooklyn, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, made me laugh. All right. Seeing how this is actually a DC podcast. <laughs> you should... I was- we should get on with that. Yeah, I love how we always manage to segue into the weirdest subtopics. Oh, yeah. No, there's a reason why any podcast I'm on has, like, hour plus long episodes. Because I will easily just keep going down other rabbit holes. <laughs> Which is strangely fitting for this podcast, given the whole Alice in Wonderland vibe. This is true. So it does kind of work. It does. See? Symmetry. So the episode we're going to be talking about today is episode eight of season one, A Mad Tea Party, which is a very unfortunate misnomer. There's only like one shot of a cup of tea in this entire episode. I was severely disappointed by that. I wanted more tea. Well, yes. But there was definitely a lot of mad things going on at the party we did see. Yes. Also, this was the perfect chance for this for the show to use Mad World, the song Mad World. Oh, I'm and so they didn't. So that also 
so am I. Like I'm that... so mad they didn't. I'm also very I... glad that I didn't hear about that until after because I would have been thinking about it the entire episode. <laughs> so we start off with a member of the Wonderland gang running down an alley and Batwoman shows up with her new item, a nice a nice bow staff breaking out her best new. Donatello that... gear. I, I believe so. I don't remember seeing it before. Me either. So after about, about three seconds of this great new staff, she decides to break it over her knee. Because, you know, that's what she does. Yep. She's like, I could do that to you. Now give me your coat. She steals this person's coat. Which I didn't quite see the point of at first until she got back to the Batcave. Well, it was funny. When I was watching it and that happened, I'm like, is that mouse acting as Batwoman to like give her a bad name? But nope, nope. She stole his coat. Kate Kane is a thief. She has all the money in the world and is like, I want that coat. Which apparently had blood on it. <laughs> yes. She was nice enough to give the coat as a present to Luke for all of his hard work, um, which was good because it wasn't his size or his color and it had blood on it. But the reason why she took the coat, we find, is because it has a cell phone in it and she's hoping Luke can use the cell phone to kind of trace back to where Alice's hideout is, which he does. Which she does, which ended up being a really smart reason to take the coat. So I wasn't mad at it once I found out, but I was like, oh, that's why she did it. I mean, yeah, but she could have just said, give me your phone. Like, she didn't need to take the coat. It's cold out. Yes, but I don't really think she cares about the little minions being hot or cold or whatever. That is not nice. If we've learned nothing from Despicable Me, it's minions are the best part. Having not seen Despicable Me, I cannot comment. Why do I even bother making smart <laughs> jokes? <laughs> so Luke uh, pretty easily uh, traces back where the phone's been the past couple of days. The first being a restaurant which has the worst breadsticks, according to Luke. <laughs> That line did make me laugh. I mean, he might be right, but how do we know? We're we're just taking his word for it. The second being an empty warehouse, which is obviously where the the villain is, because that's where every villain hangs out. Yep. Kate shows up to the warehouse as Alice is throwing clothes all over the place. You know, she doesn't have a thing to wear for her mad tea party. Side note, I did enjoy seeing Kate in the bat suit without the wig. It was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I It just seems like it's missing something when that happens. And I, like, the head just seems so oddly shaped. Like, I don't know why it doesn't look that oddly shaped when it's Batman. It's just a little too round for my taste. So I like it more with the hair. Gotcha. 
but yeah, she's in, so, in mean, the warehouse. Yeah, she's in the warehouse, and she's um, Kate referencing the last episode is like, so you had a guy, you hired a guy to kill me. You hired the rifle to kill me because he shot me, you know, he shot someone who was supposed to be me with a gun that was designed to kill me that you stole. So, you know, what, what's the deal? Like, that's not a really sisterly thing to do, Alice, if that's your real name, which it's not. To which Alice is like, I hired a person to kill you, yet you're standing here. So obviously, you know, I hired the wrong person. But she's like, hey, look at this little trinket I have, which is the one piece that makes the gun actually work. And I have it. Because I didn't want him to kill you. Oh, and I killed everybody that could have replicated this. But that's another thing. Like, don't worry about that part. I saved you is the part we're talking we're we're focusing on right now. I did enjoy this scene, and it was very clear that Kate is looking for any semblance of Beth that's anywhere in there. She is, and I mean this kind of gives her some like. Alice is like, yeah, you know, I know he was trying to kill you, but I took this piece out of the gun so he couldn't. And then she's, is this also the same scene where she's like, I'm Alice, I'm not Beth, Beth is gone? I mean, that's pretty much every scene she's in. True. But is this the one with the picture? Where she brings up the butt mitzvah picture, or is that later? No, this is... She's like, hey, you kept this picture of our bar mitzvah, which, by the way, I do like that they just slyly threw in the reference that they are Jewish. Yeah, I like that, too. I was like, oh, OK. Um, in the comic, she's Jewish, so it, you know, it, it fits perfectly. But um, I don't remember the show kind of touching upon that at all yet. So I really do like how they kind of slyly threw it in. Right, because we're not going to get a chance to really see them deal with the holidays because we're going to be off air while they happen. Right, we'll have crisis going on, and then crisis, and then crisis pauses for for the Christmas Hanukkah season, which I don't know exactly how that works out. Like, hey, all these Earths are dying, but wait, it's Christmas and Hanukkah, so you know, truce, everybody. Yeah, I hate that they're splitting it, but that's another topic for another time. So, uh, so yeah, Kate's like, hey, you kept this picture. And, and Alice is like, take it. I don't need it. If it means you're leaving, if it means you'll leave me alone, take it and be gone. I need to figure out something to wear for my tea party. Which obviously was a euphemism for the event. Yes. Yes, the tea parties that you've been some dressing wasn't. I'm like, what? No. She really Sorry. was looking for something to wear. Yes, but the tea we, party was the euphemism. Yes. We get a quick little scene of the real Jacob Kane coming out of a store or building and getting jumped by the Wonderland gang and essentially kidnapped. It's a really fast scene. 
doesn't really do anything. We knew that there was a fake Jacob and a real Jacob. So and it we was, knew that that real Jacob had to be put somewhere in order for this plan to go off. Right. Like it won't work if if Jacob shows up in the same place that fake Jacob's at. Because then they'll just end up doing like that really cartoony like mirror motion thing to try and figure out if they're looking into a mirror or not. Exactly. Oh, I hate those. Kate is working in her her uh, gay club trying to get it up and running, which I really like that she's going through with this. Like it wasn't yes. just like it wasn't just a moment. It wasn't just like I'm going to rent it out to a gay club. No, I'm going to build the gay club. Now, is this something that's in the comics or is it something that is No, in in the comics. Like, yeah, in the comics she's just rich. Like she doesn't have she doesn't have like a a philanthropic thing like in the show. Okay, but I I do like that they're going forward with this. Yes. As she's unpacking some some glassware Mary comes in holding a a garment bag, I believe is what it is, and she's like, "Hey, I got this new, I got this new uh, couture outfit that that not not even the real housewives can get. I believe that's who she name drops, Gigi and Bella. Yeah, yeah, uh, and she's like." You can wear it tonight to my mom's function. And, and it's a really nice white suit. Like that that I got I got to give Mary credit on this. Like not only is it a nice looking white suit, but that is like the perfect Kate Exactly. Outfit. If she's going to try to convince Kate to go to the last place on earth she actually wants to go to, at least she got her a decent outfit to do it in. Yeah, it wasn't like a silk black dress. No, it was a white, it was a cream white, you know, for uh, tux or, or at least suit. evening, yeah, an evening suit, um, which I'm very sad Kate turns down this offer because I would kill to see Kate in that white suit. Yes, it would, please. It would be the most BDE Kate has had in this entire show. <laughs> but she's like, hey, this event that you want me to go to is honoring your mother who, you know, kind of ruined my family. And Mary's like, oh, this old thing. Like, it's been two weeks. Why are you not over it yet, Kate? And also, like, until fake Jacob came back into the picture, like, Mary wasn't exactly thrilled with her mother either. And it wasn't until, like, she heard that they were reuniting that she's like, okay, I can move past this. Right. If Jacob can move past it, I can move past it. Um, She's also, like, I mean, it's also her mother, so it's weird that so in this scene you have Mary trying to convince Kate to come to the to come to the dinner so they can kind of all act like a family and hopefully 
they'll start believing it. And she she kind of guilts Kate into saying, like, can't you do this for, like, I want you there. I want you there to support me while I'm supporting her. You know, you know the our our father will be there. My stepfather will be there. Your dad, he's there because I asked him to be. You know, I just want you to be there too, so we can just be there as one big family. And Mary's not understanding why Kate doesn't want to do it, which is which Kate has valid reasons for. Absolutely. And the go ahead. Decimated her, and you know, intentional or not, she decimated this woman's entire family because she made you know she convinced them that Beth was gone, and because of that, Beth then got tortured and turned into Alice. Right, and and she's like, you know, you keep giving Alice. You know, try after try after try after try because she's your sister, but you won't do this for me, who's also your sister. And Kate, you know, Kate kind of, without thinking, throws out the line like, well, it's because she's family. And in this instance, she's a she's a blood relative, much like Catherine is the blood relative of Mary. Right. So Mary should at least see that delineation, although she counts Kate as a sister and it doesn't matter if she's blood related or not. But her her aversion to Alice is kind of the same aversion of Kate to Catherine. So it's a weird kind of dynamic that Mary doesn't see the likeness of, although you could argue Alice is, is worse. Yeah, I think Mary wants approval from Kate so much that the fact that Kate is, in a sense, rejecting her is blinding her to the logic behind Kate's reasoning. Yeah, she wants to be seen by Kate as an actual sister, and she doesn't feel like to her to she thinks that to Kate it's their stepsisters. They're not real. They're not really family. They're just family by they're just family by marriage. They're just family on paper. Right. Which, which is fine, but you know you don't have to be related to be family. And I think that's one thing we're going to see in the in the next part of the season, although. Oh, I will say Mary does a really good guilt trip that by the end of this scene, like, I wanted to go to the dinner just to make Mary happy. Yes. Well, I will also give Mary the world because I just love her that much. I will give this Mary the world. There's a Mary coming up later on that I that I never want to see again. Oh, do tell. Oh, we'll get there. <laughs> we we go over to the Crow's headquarters where Kate comes in and fake Jacob is there and she's like, um, yo, dude, I just found out you're going to this thing for your for your wife who kind of told us that my sister was dead, your daughter was dead, 
and you just magically forgiven her? Like, what the dealio? Yeah, Kate's all like, what the hell? Um, I and I do like how he plays it in this. He's like, you know, I'm not defending what she did, and neither is she. Like, she accepts what she did was wrong, but I at least see she had the best intentions. Which is which is a very arguable point of view. Yeah, it's very, it's a valid point of view. Except, like Kate pointed out, there was not a whole lot of time for him to make this discovery. Right. It was, was, yeah, it was like, you know, it was, it's almost like um, daytime soap opera memory. You know, like one week it's the one week you hate this person, the next week, you know, you love this person. So the time frame is very small. But. So let's let's take this into context for right now. Catherine does what she does. Say say Beth actually had died and they just never found the body. And Catherine still does what she does. Is it as wrong? Like she's trying to help them move on and get on with their lives. <sighs> If she's not actually alive, no, it's not as wrong, but it's worse because she was alive and they gave up on her based on wrong information. Right. However, it's not at least at least we can all agree that while the motives were good, what she did wasn't. But neither one of us think it was done maliciously on Catherine's part. Like Catherine didn't know she was alive and then lied about it. Right. Okay. Yes, that's true. Okay. I see okay. Where you're going. Yeah. We move into, we move into a scene between real Jacob, who's hung up, who's kind of handcuffed to a pipe and Alice now. And they're talking about again, you know, you gave up on me. you, you believed her. You believed her lies. You didn't get the skull. You didn't get the breath tested with DNA to find out if it was real. You just accepted her. You just accepted her story. And because of that, she even says, like, I was locked in a I was locked in this room for 11 years. So for 15 of the so for 11 of the 15 years since the accident is when she was was essentially being held captive by this guy. So we don't know what happened in the in last the four, four years. years right. Which I'm hoping we, don't we know. get in the second half of the season. Yeah, we don't know if he died, if somebody killed him, if he died of natural causes or what. But that's the that's the gist of this of this scene. They and, did say that he died like um, the one who took her they did say in the episode where we were getting her backstory that he died I just don't remember what year he died okay so it was probably four years ago but we don't know how he died so you know could mouse have killed him who knows I'm sh- I think we'll get that answer sooner or later it doesn't yeah. seem relevant but it might end up being well I definitely want to know how she got out of that room right this is one of the better scenes in this episode 
because Jacob is finally willing to admit why he why he didn't why he just believed Catherine and it was a you know he he finally kind of lets his shield down and it makes it seem like while it was a difficult decision for him he did it because it was easier than having hope because like having hope easier. and being disappointed constantly almost right. hurt more than processing the pain of her being gone right which is which is what i think Catherine was kind of aiming for like yeah it sucks to be like you know hey we found fragments of your dead kid but at least then they could to coping with the loss rather than like delaying it and still going through pain it wasn't like by them delaying it they were they were being spared of it it was just a different kind of pain right uh so he even says like i'm you know i'm very sorry he you know he 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 lays out exactly what he did, how sorry he was, how he wished he could, how he wished it could be different. And there's a slight, there's a slight part when, when Alice accepts his reasoning that there's an emotion behind her voice and. I really, really liked that emotion, and then she kind of flips very quickly. Yeah, she's like, nope, I'm not going back here. I'm Alice again. Right. And she's like, well, now i got to go to the tea party. Bye forever. She doesn't say that, but she's like, I have to go to the tea party. Um, we get another... Uh, yeah. So Kate is with Luke and she's talking, you know, she's kind of venting to him like I can't believe he forgave her. Why is he doing that? It's not like him. And she kind of gets the idea in her head that it might not be Jacob. It might I not be love, her father. I did love this scene. My favorite line though was Luke is going, "Your sister's a serial killer." But what your father is doing is what's making you drink hard liquor. Yeah, he's like, your sister's a serial killer, but your father taking back his wife makes you, you know, makes you start taking Bruce's good, good alcohol, which was nice. I do like, like, as she's kind of putting it together in her mind, and she's like, I, you know... You can tell, like, she thought of something, and Luke's like, what am I missing? And I pretty much yelled at my TV a lot. You're missing a lot of things. But in this <laughs> instance, no, it's, it's kind of understandable. Like, he doesn't – he's not really seeing the train of thought that Kate's on. Kate calls up – Kate calls up uh, Jacob's Kate, cell phone. Yeah, Jacob's cell phone, which fake Jacob has, and is like, hey, remember, remember when I prayed that the snow 
would prevent you from marrying Catherine that day when there was a blizzard? And he's like, yeah, good times, oh, real daughter of mine. And she hangs up the phone. She's like, they got married in, like, you know, July. Yeah, like July 25th. And it was, like, 300 degrees, 100% humidity. That's not my father. And didn't Luke say, well, then who is it? And she said Mouse. Yes, which, I mean... Makes sense. She knows about Mouse, and she knows of Mouse's abilities. So it's, it's Luke also know? So why would he even question? Because Luke is missing a lot. <laughs> we have fake Jacob talking to Sophie and Mr. Sophie. <laughs> Tyler. Yeah. I don't feel like he needs to have a real name. Before Jacob comes in, we naturally have them still dealing with their marital issues. Which they are dealing with throughout this episode. Right. When there are arguably other things happening at the time. But we'll get to that scene when we get there. (laughs) In this one, in this one, Sophie, Sophie and them, Sophie and him are just kind of sitting there in awkward silence and she's like, you know, we have we have vacation days saved up. We could go to Dollywood. You know, we can do an old school road trip. Would you like that, huh? Huh, boy? Do you want to go to Dollywood? Do you want to <laughs> go for a car ride? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure, we could do that. And she's like, why do you not sound excited? Because nobody is going to be excited to go to Dollywood. Um, no one. No, I don't believe it. Nobody I'd on Earth. So yes, I would go to Dollywood. You know she's not there, right? Yes, I know she's not there, but all of her like she's got her own museum there. It'd be awesome. Fine. She's like, oh. So you're still kind of freaked out that I used to date a girl, and now every time we kiss, I'm actually thinking about her. And he's like, yes, that's a problem for me. Like, Which it should be. <laughs> it's like, well, we should talk about it. Oh, hold on. My ex is calling me. All right. Look, see, I, I love you so much, I'm not going to answer the phone. And she actually silenced the call. Did we ever find out why Kate was calling her? Uh, yes. Uh, Kate actually sends a text that says uh, Mouse is impersonating Jacob. And the text comes in as Jacob is in the room saying, like, all right, this is what we got to do tonight. She reads oh, the text. That. So did I. It actually just popped up on my screen as we were doing as we were talking about the scene. So that's how I that's how I figured it out. Um, yeah, so she literally reads it like two seconds before he shoots them both with darts. And it's like, all right, you guys are taken care of. I'm out of here. And, and now we get to one of the worst scenes in the, epi- in the episode. Jacob, Catherine, and Mary are in the limo driving to this gala. Uh, being held in which Catherine's getting an award for essentially a, being a philanthropist, 
um, which is kind of weird because we've never really seen her do any of that. But now we get socialite Mary talking to her Instagram followers and it's like, what up, peeps? I'm here with the rents and we're on our way to my mom's gala. Hashtag proud daughter. And oh, my God. I wanted to rip my <laughs> eyes out, stuff them in my ears. Me too. That was everything I hate about millennials, right in that scene. Just all right there. Like, I never want, <laughs> want to see this side of Mary again. Ever. Ever. Wait, Ever. No. Which hopefully now she won't need to be. It's, it's a really mean thing to say, but I was like, after the events of this episode, like I, I want her to go to like, like nineties, early two thousands, like emo. Are we talking like Evanescence level emo? Oh yes, like she, she's playing, she's playing the piano version of My Immortal on loop. I see it. I am all about it. I was so, I was so, I. Last year, last year, yeah, last year I actually went to go see Evanescence um, because they started touring again, and and the tour that they were doing, they did smaller venues, but they also had um like an orchestra playing with them. Oh, that had to be so cool. Yeah, it was it was good. It was really good. Like I've always loved in Evanescence, so I. So I wanted to go see it. Um, and when they did My Immortal, it wasn't the piano version. I got so upset. I'm like, aw, but that's my favorite version. <laughs> so, so, now, I was, so now I'm going to need Batwoman to use that song. Oh, yes. It's, it's also one of the reasons why the Ben Affleck Daredevil is one of my favorite uh, superhero movies. Because that has the best soundtrack. Oh, wow. I might have to do a DC movie. Oh, no, no. That's Marvel. Oh, that's Marvel? That was, yeah, that's Marvel. That was before Marvel started doing movies on their own. Um, they did a Ghost Rider movie with Nicolas Cage, which was horrible. Don't ever watch it. They I did actually a, think I did watch it, but I don't think I retained a lot of it because I have a cousin who's a very big Nicolas Cage fan. They did uh, a Daredevil with Ben Affleck. Um, they did Hulk with Eric Bana. Yeah, no, Daredevil is Daredevil is great. Don't don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. Got Jennifer Garner. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Colin Farrell, Michael Clark Duncan. Great, just great top cat. to bottom. John Favreau. Wow, I don't, that cat I I don't believe uh, Stanley. Yeah, this was before the Stan Lee cameos. Although Stan Lee had always cameoed in um, X-Men, but not this one. I love all the – the every Stan Lee cameo I've seen in all the movies I've watched so far, they just get better and better. Uh, yes. Yeah. Anyway, back to Batwoman. <laughs> We're not Gotta going... love our tangent time. Yeah, so they drink – champagne as a toast to Catherine in the car before we transition to the next scene of Kate 
back at the warehouse and Alice is like, uh, you know what? I can't deal with these poppins. I'm moving. I do also like how she's got shopping bags in her hand. Like she went out shopping for her tea party. Yeah, that was cool. And she's and Kate's like, hey, I know Mouse is is being dad. Where's dad? And she tells her, she's like, hey, he's over there. You might want to you might want to hurry up and go there. But there's another subtext of the conversation of Alice is like, you know, I'm getting fed up with you always trying to think that Beth is in here somewhere. She's not. And Kate's like, but I have this picture, you know, you didn't put this picture away like that Cheryl Crow and Kid Rock song. Yes. And she's like, nope, Beth's dead, gone, buried. She died when she was in this room for 11 years. Anyway, dad, dad's where that room was. So this scene, I think, had my favorite line. Was this the scene where she talked about, I dreamed of revenge. I did this for 11. Like I was in the room for 11 years. I dreamed of revenge. I dreamed a dream of time gone by. Um, no, no, no that that is later on. That is later on. Okay, I always get the warehouse scenes confused. But when we get there, that is later there, on. The line of the episode was in that scene. Yes. Yeah. So Kate goes running to try and save her father. Her father's gone. Where he is, nobody knows but the shadow. I, I, when I saw that, I was like, huh, where did he go? First, I thought maybe he escaped, but then I'm thinking, no. Yeah, I mean, so I think it was quite obvious, like, he didn't escape. But because we see, I thought we saw um, her henchman coming in at the end of that scene to kind of take him away. If we did, I missed it. All right. I mean... Yeah, it was it was easily something that could have been that could have been missed, but that's what I thought I saw. So Kate doesn't find him; she just finds the dangling cuffs, and now she's trying to figure out where he is. We move to the gala. Yes. No, we don't. No, we move to. Is this Sophie and? Tyler? Yes, we we moved to... No, I was right. We moved to the gala. Yeah. We moved to the gala. They're just kind of entering with fake Jacob being like, hey, you know, keep an eye out for everything. I'm sure Alice is going to want to attack us. Luke's in the cave. And it's like, hey, hey, Kate. No, that's really your dad. The face... Face is identical. But, I mean, that's sort of Mass's whole spiel, so yeah, of course it would. Yeah, Luke misses a lot of things. They go through the whole thing of like, hey, you know, this is why we're here. Let's bring up Catherine. Catherine walks up. As she walks up to the podium to start her speech, we change scenes, and now we got Sophie and Mr. Sophie... (laughs) <laughs> tied up, tied up like every 
like spy movie ever back to back in the chair and they're like hey you know it must be something to do with the gala we should probably get out of this predicament so he uses her wedding ring as a pickpock engagement ring as a pick as a way to pick the uh, locks of the handcuffs and he's like you know while this is going on naturally you would want to talk about your marital issues because there's nothing else more important right now well okay in context the sister of her ex-girlfriend is the one behind all of this as they are surmising within this conversation and she literally said the only reason i'm alive is because if she killed me kate would never forgive her no she doesn't say it he he does he's just like you know if this is alice and alice is kate's sister why didn't she just kill us and sophie doesn't say anything and he's like oh because she doesn't want to piss off Kate in killing you, her ex-girlfriend, would make Kate very unhappy. Isn't that right, my darling wife, who loves me so much? And she doesn't say anything. Because I thought she said that, I thought she was the one who said that um, killing me would make Kate very unhappy she says she's trying to preserve a relationship with kate in killing me and then he kind of finishes the thought gotcha and he's because kate's still in love with you and she's like i don't know why would i know what kate is feeling even though kate told me don't mind that last part i don't know like no i don't know if kate still loves me and he's like, well, do you still love her? And, and yeah, crickets, like, chirp, <laughs> chirp, chirp. And he's like, cool story, bro. And then he's like, tell me what you, what she was to you. And don't say she was a drunk hookup unless you were drunk for three years. That is the next scene that they're in. Because, again, <laughs> there's nothing else important going on. So we might as well talk about our marital problem. But I did like that line. I, I, I loved that line. I really, really wish she would have came back. I was actually drunk for two years and then just didn't know how to end it. So, But I do like she can't even admit to herself what their relationship was. So how is she supposed to admit it to anybody else? Right. Um Although well, we can talk about this now. I was actually, um, I was actually on Twitter, and there was um, l- not last week. I think it was the week prior. Um, was the was the annual kind of um, Remembrance Day for. Are the LGBT community of you know the the day of observance the uh, problem of suicide in the LGBT community? Yes. So 
um, she had actually sent out a tweet talking about talking about um, someone tweeted her about her character on the show and how she wasn't dealing with coming out of the closet. And she was like, you know, the character of Sophie is, is done, is done kind of specifically for those people, like people who aren't ready to come out of the closet, which I believe Sophie is, is not like that's, that is what I believe her character is, is dealing with. And she's like, you know, there's always, and she kind of tied it into the whole um, suicide problem. She's like, you know, we do the character for all the people that are like her to show that they're, you know, they don't have to do that, which I thought was really nice. And it kind of gave a depth to the character that I feel sometimes gets missed. Like we'll like we can knock on her for not, for not being truthful because it's and it's what we want to see on the show but i like how they're kind of like not everyone's as out as kate not everyone is okay yeah, with themselves as kate is right i don't know if the layers are written there or if the actress is choosing to put them there but either way it works yeah and she's doing a really good job at playing this character um which can be frustrating at times. Like you'll, you can dislike the character at times and it comes from just being able to see so plainly what the character doesn't want to admit to themselves. But the fact that like the fact that they're getting that, that kind of response from people means that they're doing the character right. And, and, and she's nailing the performance of it. So, I do I do want to say like that that was a really good job on on their part and on her part. So while I or while we will sometimes fairly or unfairly jump down Sophie's throat on I like I do understand that this is a problem for people. Um so I also want to make sure that nothing I ever say overshadows that fact in real life. Like I'm doing it for entertainment purposes, so, right. so, I just wanted to say that because I did see that and I knew I was like, oh, I w- want to make sure I comment on that the next episode um, because it was a really good tweet. Um, if you follow, if you follow the actress, like I said, it was on the day of remembrance, um, so you can go back and read the actual tweet. We. Get- over to Catherine giving her big speech. She looks down at the teleprompter to which Alice has taken over and it's like, hey, it's me, Alice. Hi. Um, <laughs> there's there's a bunch of people at the Wonderland gang that are that are kind of all over the place, so just keep reading what I write. Oh, and break a leg. I do like she put break a leg. That was great. And then she kind of looked up to look for her. She, exactly. She she looks up and she's standing in the middle aisle like Gotham's then, Gotham's most known villain currently is just randomly standing there and an no one seems. 
I like that dress. I think I, when she puts on know. the gloves, it's really good. I hated that dress. I don't know why. I just did not like that dress. But yeah, I thought her standing there and everybody was like, not even paying attention. <laughs> like, what? So she she essentially has Catherine um, admit to profiteering off of people dying, selling weapons, kind of putting weapons into the hands of drug dealers and criminals. And then Jacob kind of being paid to protect people from those criminals that she's arming, which is a really, I mean, I don't, do we, do we know, or do we think Jacob knows all of the aspects of Catherine's business? No. I honestly don't think he does. I I think he knows. I think he knows she's in the the business of manufacturing weapons, just because it's like that's out in the open. Uh, Rachel Maddow's character even references it uh, on the way to the on the way to the gala. Um, she calls her like the mistress of of munitions. So that's obvious, but yeah, I don't, I don't think Jacob knows that some of those things are getting into the hands of the people he's being paid to stop. But I definitely yeah. think Catherine does. Oh yeah, Catherine knows. So, like, Catherine, Catherine is a very morally gray-ish character that doesn't seem to have a lot of redeeming qualities no and and if and if what alice is having her say is true i can't really be mad at alice for what she's doing to her no i mean i wasn't really mad at alice for what she was doing to her Anyway, because in Alice's mind, like, this woman convinced my family that I was gone and I was tortured for years because of it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's her motivations notwithstanding. That's absolutely reason enough to do what she's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Catherine's nose starts to bleed before she kind of collapses on stage. As she's finishing her speech. So we don't know what's going on. We assume it's something not good. Uh, Mary and have rushed the stage. Jacob, again, doesn't rush the criminal that's standing in the middle of the auditorium. Obviously, he's mouse, so he wouldn't do it anyway. But still, hey, guys, there's... There's a villain, like, right there. I know. He's right so there. So dumb. They get Catherine to the... They get Catherine to the background, and Mary's calling 911. She's like, hey, I we need an ambulance for my mother. Something's wrong. Jacob's like, I'm going to go handle this. You stay here. And he leaves. Jacob leaves. 
Yeah. And she's like, why would, you know, Mary's like, hey, why would you say that stuff? And she's like, I didn't have a choice. She made me, you know, playing the pronoun game. The lights go out in the auditorium. People start to panic. Although someone clearly tells them there's no need to panic. Yes. And we have Batwoman kind of on the kind of in the uh, in the archways in the on the top floor coming down taking out crows with her new baton which she also broke again um, which Luke doesn't like like she broke the last one and Luke's like you know I obviously see you broke it stop doing that and she's like, but wouldn't these be better if they broke, if they came apart? Well, they would be. They would be. I, I completely agree. It has the has the knowledge of what those things need to be. And Luke needs them, to listen. Them come apart. Yes. So maybe he'll upgrade them on the hiatus. Hopefully. We go back to Sophie and Mr. Sophie again talking about their marriage problems. Again, but still kind of makes sense given the situation and who's putting them in the situation. And he's like, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't buy you the bigger engagement ring now. And she's like, me too. And he's like, oh, really? Are you sure you still want this one? Yeah. And that's where they finally get free, and that's when she's like, that's when he's that, like trying. That's to- when he's like, "What was it between you two? And don't tell me, don't tell me it was just a drunken thing, unless you were really drunk for three years." And Sophie just calmly like walks up, uncuffs him, and tells him like, you know, I I always followed the rules. In my life, and the one time I didn't was with Kate, and it almost cost me everything. And she's like, you know, that's why I lied. And he's like, that's not nice, but the question was, you know, what, what, you know, what was your relationship? And she's like, yeah, I know what the question was. I'm not answering that, obviously. She just can't answer it. (laughs) Well, she's choosing not. I think she can. No, I, that's the thing. I don't think she knows how to define the relationship with Kate. Because if she defines the relationship with Kate, that means she has to admit to something she's not ready to admit to yet. Uh, okay. All right. I'll give you that. We get a really quick scene of of Mouse Jacob talking to the police. Like, you know, you can't come in. The You know, the gang has the place surrounded. If you come in, they're going to kill us all. And Very they, quick scene. He said she she's infiltrated the crows, right? Right. Very quick scene. We get to Alice coming in on Mary and Catherine as Catherine is lying there. And I don't know. Oh, oh that's right. Jacob gave her. Jacob gave her the gun. Is it a gun? 
Was she holding a gun or was it Mace? I think it was Mace. I'm not sure. We'll just call it a weapon. A weapon. Yep. <laughs> nope, it's Mace. I'm seeing it. Oh, no, it's a, it's like a screwdriver. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. Like, she's holding, she's trying to hold her back with something, and it's obviously nothing. And she's like, oh, look, your mother seems to be sick. It might be this, it might be this weaponized um, disease that they created at her, at her, um, at Catherine Technologies, or, or Catherine Kane Technologies. She's like, well, thank God they created an animal. Oh, that's right, they didn't. Which, again, on the point of Catherine's business being about death. Yes. Which, again, like, Alice is making some good points here. Very good points. And she's like, you know... Well, the entire point of this is she made a choice. She made a choice to be to be a profiteer of weapons and killing and murder. And if she would have made better choices in life, we wouldn't be here. She did. Beth, though, found a cure on a tiny island of Coriana, which is the island that at. Um, the woman that we talked about last, last episode is from it's a, a flower that grows on the island that you can kind of reverse engineer um, pretty much an antidote for any toxins. She, oh, okay. So she puts it into a cup of she puts it into a cup of tea, and she's like, all she needs to do is apologize. Apologize for all the pain she's caused me. Which Catherine's like, sure, I'm sorry. Like, that's easy. And Alice, you know, naturally is like, I don't believe you. We get an intercut scene of Kate fighting in the hallway, which is pretty good action sequence. And I will say this is the first time we see Kate being Batwoman and not really screwing up at all. She's she's getting more sure of herself the more she goes out there. Yeah, like she's taking down a bunch of people with her with her broken staff, but she's not like <clears throat> she doesn't misread anybody. She doesn't get distracted. Like she's on point. In this entire episode when she's fighting people or when she's in the suit, which is what I really like because um, there's been some complaints before that we see a lot of Kate not not doing things perfectly. And I'm like, well, this is essentially like Batwoman year one, you know, so... I don't want to see her perfect. I want to see her making the mistakes and then learning from them. But I like that kind of right before crisis, they've sort of wiped away any unsureness that was there. She's yeah. solid in her footing right before Which is we go into crisis. Good, because she's going to need to be. Yeah. 
we get back back to we get back to the scene and Alice is like, all right, you know, let's try let's try once more with feeling. And <laughs> Catherine's like, all right, look, I'm a mother. I saw Kate in pain, and I wanted to I wanted to end that pain. So yes, that's why I did what I did. I lied, but it was to save them pain which is I think the first time we see Catherine telling the truth about anything yes and then she even apologizes she's like because I did that you had to endure a lifetime of pain it is my and I'm sorry and again like I believe she's sorry and this is this is the most honest we've ever seen Catherine. Yes. And you know, it's because she's it's because she's dying. You know, you you believe her and it's not just to get the it's not just to get the antidote, like you believe everything she's saying. Which is good. So like I just wish I just wish like she had some of this some of this personality when she was not dying like but i feel like dying is what gave that to her i feel like at this point she doesn't have any more time to waste because she doesn't know how much time she has left so she's being completely honest because there's no time for pretense right and alice even believes her and alice is like all right here you can have the antidote as Alice puts down the cup, if we notice Mary's nose is bleeding. Because the way that they poisoned Catherine was through champagne that both of them drank in the limo. So here's my question. They yes. both ingested the champagne at the same time. Why didn't yep. they both get sick at the same time? Um, poison works through people's bodies differently. Sometimes it's age. Sometimes it's, uh, I don't know. Look, it just makes more dramatic sense for them to not have the problems at the same time. This was totally a for dramatic moment, but like, yes, it kind of took me out of poison. The poison works on dramatic purpose. It was more dramatic for it to wait. That kind of took me out of the moment for a second, but I was put right back in, but it kind of pulled me out for a minute because I'm like, that's not usually how that works, but okay. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, I, yeah, it's a little weird, but I mean, if we're gonna, if we're gonna nitpick that, that's a, that's a little much, even for me. So apparently, yes, both Mary and Catherine are poisoned, and naturally there's enough antidote for them both, right? No, of course not, because this is TV, and Alice is a villain, and that's not what villains do. Correct. Alice is like, oh man, this sucks to be 
you guys, but there's only enough antidote for one person. So, you know, rock, paper, scissors, one potato, two potato. Catherine, being the mother that she is, was not going to let her daughter. Yeah. She's like, you guys figure this out. I'm outie. And she just kind of left. Yeah, they do know, you know, she can how they got poisoned. Um, like, you know, they they figured out that fake Jacob is the one who poisoned. Um, Mary even kind of deduces who that got broken out of Arkham a little while back, who is Mouse, and... Alice is like, I'm out of here. Mary, being the great medical professional she is, is like, if we, it'll, like, a antidote work for both of us. And Catherine, you're right, is like, no, no, you know, I'm your mother. You're taking, end of story. We also um, confession from Catherine. Yes, I did kind of love this moment. We get a confession from Catherine that she knew about Mary's uh, side uh, institute. And Mary's like, look, do you I changed in because I thought I was fooling you? And she's like, I'm your mom. I always knew. And she dies. So hopefully Millennial Mary will die with Catherine. Oh, I hope so, so much. (laughs) And now we get... Yeah, no. Millennial Mary is... Now we get the... A uh, scene between Batwoman and Alice, in which Alice is like, you know, you're too late. Catherine's dead. Although she, she doesn't tell her Catherine's dead. She's just like, you know. She says, I poisoned Bat- Catherine. Yeah, Batwoman's like, where's my dad? And she's like, uh, our dad. And. She's like, I, you know, I was locked in a cell for 11 years because of Catherine. I poisoned her. She's dead. D-E-D, dead. But my favorite line in that scene, and I, I tweeted it out. I was like, she replaced us with, what did she say? The human uh, never had, like. She said, oh, I have to pull it up on Twitter because the line was just, I died laughing. I actually had to rewind it to make sure that I heard it correctly and that I was quoting it correctly. She said, and I quote, replaced us with that vapid human run on sentence of a daughter. I love yes. Barry, but that sentence killed me. That is such a great line. <laughs> That was the line of the episode for me. It really was. Like as soon as I like as soon as I heard that line, I'm like, man, yeah, socialite Mary. That that nails her perfectly. 
That was my favorite. When she slithered into our family and brainwashed our father and replaced us with that vapid human run-on sentence of a daughter. <laughs> I, oh, man. Like, she, she's... Oh, yeah. This, this is such a great... This is such a great um, scene for Alice because uh, you kind of get that you kind of get that Beth isn't there. Like it's it's just Alice. Like Alice and Beth are the same person now. And while there are hints of her having some sort of connection to Kate, she she kind. Of Kind it's of not, is. It's not enough what to undo the, the, the years of damage that she suffered. Right, like she is what she appears to be. Like Alice is Beth, Beth is Alice, and like Kate kind of snaps. Like she starts choking her pretty convincingly and doesn't let go for a good amount of time. I like that it was her dad, like, mentioning something about her dad that was the final straw. I think it was when she mentioned that her dad was, that Jacob was dying, that she had had enough and just snapped. But she doesn't say Jacob's dying. She just said she poisoned Catherine. I honestly think it's when she talks about Mary. See, I I thought she mentioned something about Jacob. Um, No. No, she doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't lie to him. She doesn't lie to her about Jacob. I don't know why I thought she said that. Then never mind. Yeah, no, it was like it was a really good scene, and we get we get a bunch of emotional scenes. You know, you have the emotional scene of Jacob and Alice, and then Catherine and Mary. As Catherine's dying. Um, but this is kind of a different emotional scene of you really feel all of Alice's pain and what she's gone through. And in a way, it's kind of like Beth dying. Right. The, the image of that little girl that Beth was before she went missing, Kate was forced to let that version of her sister go after this yeah and that might be another reason for Kate's reaction like you have like you're kind of you're kind of coming to the point of yeah my sister is is dead like what's left is not my sister and she just I mean she loses it completely and I don't blame her yeah we get to Jacob, real Jacob, in a car, kind of knocked out, waking up to the phone ringing, and it's Kate making sure he's okay, and she's kind of, she starts telling him what happened as he's surrounded by the Gotham City Police Department, which this is the most you've seen of the Gotham City Police Department at all this entire show. Exactly. They, they handcuff him and as they're frisking him they find a vial of the toxin that 
killed Catherine in his pocket, obviously planted there. Obviously planted there by Alice. Alice and yeah, obviously Alice is the one who kind of, or Alice's goons are the ones who kind of phoned in the tip to the GCPD. Yes. Um, we get a scene with Kate and Mary, and oh, it's in Mary. It's in Mary's um medical facility and she's just kind of there and she's like you know you know how many druggies i've helped how many low-life people i've saved and i couldn't save my mother and my mother died exactly the way alice planned it slowly and in pain and she kind of asks Kate again, like, is Alice worth it? Because she asked her earlier, and, and Kate was like, yeah, because she's my sister. And this time, Kate, without hesitation, says no. Like, Kate has accepted it. And even Mary is like, you know, it's a little too late, but. Do you think Kate and Mary are going to be okay? Uh, eventually. I think I think we're going to be dealing with what happened in this episode uh, for the next half of the season. And I think it's something that'll even like once they kind of move past it, I think it'll still like rear its head every so long. Because I don't think Mary will ever fully forgive Kate, because she'll. No, I don't think so either. She, yeah, she'll blame Catherine's death on her. <clears throat> you know, even though, even though Mary had problems with her mother, it's still her mother. We have Sophie calling. We the have Sophie talking. Uh, yeah, talking to the commissioner. Or wanting. And to is like, you know, you need, yeah. She's like, I want to talk to the commissioner. I'm from the Crows, damn it. And they're like, we don't care She's at all. She's like, J- Jacob didn't do this. And they're like, how do you know? And she goes, I have a dart-sized hole in my neck that, I, that proves it. Right, which, I mean, doesn't really prove anything, Sophie. Not like, really, no. Who, who put that dart in you? A guy wearing Jacob Kane's face? Oh, yeah, I see that sounds crazy now. So, naturally, how this is going to help is talking to her husband. (laughs) Naturally, there's no other thing going on right now that is as important as Mr. Sophie still whining about the fact that his wife dated a woman. And she's like... You know what are we what are we gonna do? And she means this like in the way of like what are we gonna do about Jacob and what's going on? And he's like, you know what? I want kids and a dog, and I can't have them now because you dated a woman and that made all the puppies disappear apparently. (laughs) 
And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I want kids. I want a dog. And I only want this. But I don't want, you know, to have all these things. And then two years later, you're like, hey, remember when I dated a woman? Like, he's really having this hard time. Yeah, this was the moment in which I was like, okay, Tyler, this is not the time. Like, put that away. Because there were so many other things going on at that moment. Does this mean that Sophie is in charge of the crows now? Since Jacob is... Yes. Even if she wasn't, I say she is, which is all that matters. And he's like, you know... You know, this, these are the things I want out of my life. And and Sophie's there like, why would I want kids? Like, you know, I I like my body. And he's like, well, do you love me? And she's like, yes. And are you in love with me? And she doesn't answer. So he's like, all right, peace out, which is good. I'm hoping we never have to deal with this again you know that's not true we might I not have to deal with it again until january but we're dealing with it i i can have hopes and dreams too if he can have hopes and dreams of kids and a puppy i can have hopes and dreams that we never have to deal with this again very true but i'm just going to put it on record that he's going to be back then we get the then we get the montage of people throwing things off their desks. Which I feel like is in every mid-season finale of every CW show ever. Yes, that's how you know things were going bad. Is by the amount of stuff being being thrown off desks. I will say, I did like the next scene we're about to talk about with Jacob and Kate. Yes, we get a really quick ending scene where Jacob is in police handcuffs. Kate comes walking into the interrogation room. They only have five minutes, which is all the all his lawyer could get them. And they have they, they have kind of a quick reconciliation slash unification scene yeah and kate's like i hate her i hate her so much she sounded like such a lost little girl in that moment i wanted to cry absolutely and he's like you know when i get out of here i'm gonna kill her i'm gonna kate yeah kate says i'm not gonna stop you and then he grabs her hands and the camera pans out and i was like oh and it's like, see you in January, guys. Because we have crisis next week, and that has absolutely nothing to do with anything that's happening right now in this story. Right. So that is going to be – look, I, I know everyone's excited for crisis. I am too. But there just seems to be like that like stopping – there better be an explanation in one of the hours before we get to the Batwoman hour. Well, the Batwoman hour is number, hour number two, so... Hour number two. Okay, so there better be an explanation in hour number one as to why Batwoman is going to be included 
in this crossover because they have now addressed it. The only shows that haven't addressed it are Black Lightning and um, Batwoman because Supergirl finally addressed it last week and The Flash and Arrow have been dealing with it all season. So there needs to be explanations as to why these characters are going to be involved in this crossover other than the fact that they're in this universe. Uh, I believe I believe there is. Um, they released a new trailer today in which um, they talk about having to having to go through the the multiverse to find certain people that will help them. Um, and they show Kate, Black Lightning, uh, Superman. So I believe believe we'll get that explanation but i mean it's a it's a world ending threat so you kind of want all hands on deck anyway yeah um so after that really touching scene that kind of leaves us off until the series picks back up we get a little added on scene with harrison wells from flash Um, actually it's nash wells this version of wells is nash wells he's been chasing the monitor all season on the flash looking for a way to possibly have Barry survive crisis. And he found a cave and he found um, what he thinks is the monitor's hiding space in this earth. And he's been looking for a way for the last couple of weeks to kind of open it. And in this tag scene, he finally opened it. He opens it and kind of gets sucked in. Yeah. Uh, Which um, this is setting up uh, what this sets up on Crisis is uh, he'll be the character Pariah, who is um, kind of like a herald of the Anti-Monitor. If I remember correctly, I honestly don't. It's been so long since I've read Crisis. I don't know if I'm remembering that. Correctly. I have zero comic I book actually, knowledge, so I wanted to read it and I just haven't had a chance to. Um, which I'm hoping I will be able to read this week. I don't know if it's on the CW on the DC Universe streaming service or not, but I'm gonna check that out uh, once we're done here. Um, but that is pretty much the entire episode with the stinger for with the stinger for Sunday. Um, so again, we'll next week will be weird. We'll, uh, we'll be recording on Wednesday, the day after all three episodes aired. And, um, uh, we'll do one recording and I'll either cut it up into three different episodes or I'll throw it all up as one. Um, but we'll at least have something starting Wednesday, uh, as we delve into the beginning of crisis and then we'll be off until Crisis comes back uh, the first week of January or the second week of January or eventually in January. I think um, it's the second week of January. Okay. I think, it's the tw- I think it'll be like the 12th, somewhere in there. Yeah, that's, um, that's about right. Um, so it'll be three episodes, then two episodes. Uh, and then Batwoman, I believe, uh, let's see if they've given a date for when they come back as far as that woman proper uh 
January 19th uh, is the next new episode after Crisis. Okay. So, um, so we'll have Crisis, and then I don't know if it's another off week of that, but we'll have January 19th and 26th, which is episodes 10 and 11, and then and off until February 16th. So oh, we'll definitely be back lucky. next week for Crisis. Then we'll pause for the holidays. And then we'll come back, and this is when we start doing our two weeks on, three weeks off. I hate when the CW does that. I hate it when any show does that. Like I really they, do. Like, I need all networks to adopt what ABC does, which is, like, airs everything in a giant chunk for the first half of the year, takes a giant break, and then when they come back, they air their shows uninterrupted. Yeah. I like it's definitely a lot better that way. Like I'm, I'd be fine with a longer break if it just meant you don't have that weird kind of Feb- that weird February on and off thing. I think it would also work better if if it was like two different half a seasons. Yes, but which I'm very excited that the Flash is actually doing that this season, and hopefully, like once Batwoman is fully established, we can start doing that too. Yeah. I mean, you. I mean, you kind of did. Like, you kind of got. You kind of got a complete story uh, in these first episodes. So now, yes, there's threads that are still not done, but you have oh, follow-up questions were kind of answered. Right, like you know the the questions of. What was going on have been answered. She kind of did what she set out to do. Um, you know, it's not like Mary, it's not like uh, Alice is going to go away anytime soon. So it'll be interesting to see what the second half kind of holds. I, I know we're going to have like the fallout of everything that ha- happened tonight. And yeah, Alice is going to be around, but it'll be interesting if there's other stuff going on too. I have um, an interesting theory on where they're going to take Mary. Do you think okay. that Mary okay. will end up being in charge of Catherine's company and trying to change her mother's legacy? Uh, it is very possible. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that she left her the, the company, uh, much like Bruce inherited the company from when his parents died. So yeah, that would that would be interesting. Um, especially since right now, yeah. So especially with Jacob being in prison for killing um, Catherine, it's not like he can take over the. It's not like he can take over over the thing. Although it would be weird that if she left it to Kate. That would be weird. Ooh. It's gonna be interesting. I'm Maybe actually. That's what'll of, happen. I'm kind of really intrigued to see what's gonna happen now. Me too. Get out of here, Crisis. Just give me more <laughs> of this story. I don't care about you anymore. Well, I do love Crisis. I'm like, I'm excited for Crisis because we've been building up to Crisis for a year because they told us Crisis was coming at the end of last year's crossover, which is how we knew all the shows were renewed before they actually announced their renewals. I mean, yeah, but we kind of knew that anyway. Well, Although I did yeah, like, but... everyone's like, huh, all the shows got renewed and they were like, hey, Arrow's ending next year. Yeah. But it also makes sense with Crisis for Arrow to, for Arrow's ending to kind of coincide with that. And 
I'm excited yeah. for Crisis. We'll see. It looks good. Uh, I've always had issues with their crossovers, so it'll be interesting. The last see, three like, have been very, very good. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I've had so the Crisis on Earth X. Um, I felt was. I felt that it was too long, um, and that was because of the way that the way that it was done. Um, it just felt like it was a miniseries that was an hour too long. Last year's I thought was better, but it felt very. It still felt very um, episodic. Isn't the right word, but like. If you, if I told you that these are made up of five different shows or four different shows at the time, you could sit there and be like, this episode is supposed to be the Supergirl episode, Flash, Green uh, Green Arrow. Like, it was very obvious. It didn't feel like that. Earth X, it kind of flowed better. Right, it flowed better. It, It just felt a little too long. So it'll like I've been wanting them. I've been wanting them to crack it, and I don't think they've cracked it yet. I'm hoping they do this time. Um, and if I remember correctly, I believe one of the issues was each episode last year, the writers of that show wrote the episodes. Yes, so, and that was the same for Elsewhere. I think that was the same for Earth X too. Yeah. So. And I believe this year was a little different. Like I believe this year they had a group of writers just write it, so that might that might make it seem that might kind of solve the problem. Yeah, but I mean it'll definitely be very interesting to see. And it's less than seven days away. I'm so excited! Um, I can't wait. And it'll be interesting too because you haven't been watching any of the shows that are involved in Crisis other than Batwoman, right? Correct. I've fallen off of Supergirl. Um, Flash, I liked. I just didn't really have the time for the last couple of seasons. Uh, uh, Arrow, I just never watched. Um, I've kind of uh, just through Twitter, basically, I've been able to keep up with what's been going on. Um, like I know, I know uh, Jean is going to be in Crisis. Um, he just had his test. Yeah, I loved that because I was so upset that Supergirl hadn't really been mentioning Crisis all season, and I thought it was weird. And then at the end of Supergirl on Sunday, instead of seeing the tag that we saw, because I think we we saw that on, in one other show, okay. but in Supergirl, they ended up showing us the scene with the monitor and John and everything that John had been going through this entire season with his brother was a test. Excellent. So I thought that was amazing. All right. So we're going to end it there. You can find us on Twitter at Batwoman TV talk, um, or you can email us at Batwoman TV talk at gmail.com you can also find me on twitter under academy rewind which is another show that i co-host uh where can they find you i am at xo tony roney xo on twitter 
All right. That being said, they are shining the bat signal out in the sky, so we got to get going, and we got to get ready for crisis next week. So until then, bye, everybody. Bye.